Welcome everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about where home prices are going this spring and what he expects for mortgage rates. As always, I want to thank our podcast sponsor, Truth, for making this episode possible. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Did you know that we just had the fastest home price crash ever recorded in history? Were you were you aware of this? That's so surprising, considering we just wrote about the Case-Shiller Price Index, and we've been watching that. Okay, let's dig in here. Why? How is it that somebody could look at any of the you know, data and say I, that? I thought about this. In my next life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a doomer. Like, I'm going to be one of these doomed people and just, like, take charts and misrepresent them, and, and I could do it better. Like, I was looking at this. I was thinking, okay, they do it this way. I wouldn't actually do it this way. I would put this here and this here and, uh, you know. And unfortunately for this group, is that the academic world doesn't really call other people out like I do. So I always, because of the audience that we have, I try to highlight this so people could understand uh, that this isn't actually factually true and that this is a tactic done. Because we all know like the doom and gloom, uh, like YouTube is like bat crazy, but they get a lot of viewers. And we, I mean, I've always had, I, it's always been entertaining to me to watch people who actually don't track housing, talk about housing. It's just like, I mean, I'm, I'm just laughing. I'm almost cracking a rib. Like some of the charts they make up are just hilarious. It's all going to be part of the book, by the way, when this is all done. Um, but here, here was. But even for even for our audience, I mean, they want to know what are home prices going to be doing this spring. So I talked to Mike Simonson last week uh, of Alto Stato about home prices where he saw it. So it's not just crazy people on YouTube who who might be uh, fooled. Crazy by this. people the, the take advantage of what confused. people want to know. And doom sells in that. So it's funny because a lot of people that actually aren't even home buyers per se, they're you just they just cater to this thing. So it, it, it's 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 fascinating to me, but it's also been part of my education over the last twelve years. So what what's occurred right now is that there is the census data that takes the median sales price. Now the reason why people don't really use the median sales price, they like to take the Case Shiller, FHFA, Zillow. Black Knight, uh, uh, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae. It's more of an average to give you because a median sales price could be distorted. So what's occurred is that the new home sales sector, the median sales price has fallen a lot. So if you use that and then assume that the median sales price for existing homes is basically flat on a year-over-year basis from the peak to peak, then it looks like on paper, it's the fastest home sale cry or price crash ever recorded in history. And we all know demand is very low. So people just feed into that, even though there's nothing in the data lines that we have for the existing home sales market. This is why we always say, Fight Club rules, Sarah. What are they? Number one, we don't talk about Fight Club and we do not ever mix the new home sales sector data with the existing home sales sector ever. I mean, this is a giant Godzilla monster here. And this is that like baby King Kong Suki guy. That's coming out in a theater suit. Okay. Very small, very big. Averaging out, you can't, you go here. That's why we do existing home sales prices. Case Schiller, Zillow, FHFA, Freddie Mac, AEI, all these things. And that's more traditional because like no serious housing person does it. So we we dealt with this today. Like, like we were, I I know you saw that that tweet where they flat out said it's the fastest crash going back decades using timelines. And it's just like, you don't even have to say anything. You just put a little 
emoji looking like this, thinking, hmm, and then you put the FHFA home price this, and it's tactical. Um, it's not done like like these people don't believe this, but it's it's a way to spread disinformation. Uh, and like, who does this? Like, I understand the Russian trolls doing it, right? They spread disinformation. That, that, there's a purpose. That's a that's a state sponsored, uh, almost terrorist information act. But when American citizens do it, like, what are they doing, right? So it's it's again, it's to engage in what I call doom porn. And doom porn works, man. I tell you, I always tell people I'm I am so boring. Like my stuff is so boring compared to like that stuff is so exciting and all, all hell is breaking loose. But it's just not right. So so let's do, dive in. Where do you see home prices going right now and into the spring? So here's here's why we created the tracker, right? We created the tracker for everyone to get an idea because by now, in 2024. We have all realized that there's no major home price crash coming, right? There's no 30, 40%. We're going to go back down to 2020 levels of home price. Obviously, now that we've had the biggest home sale crash ever recorded history, and I've, I've been very consistent on this, um, this is the lowest sales demand levels ever. Like people like to refer this to the great financial recession. The great financial recession was like just like 12 to 14 months and then sales started to grow. But we have a lot more people now and our demographics are much better. So this to me is the lowest demand ever in terms of sales. We have people ready to go. It's just mortgage rates are high and mortgage rates are high. Why? Because the COVID-19 policy by the Federal Reserve is to, and I've stayed consistent on this, their job is to depress home sales, right? And they, they've told us this. It's, it's hard to get people to believe me on this, but if you actually take the Fed statements, it, it all makes sense. So here, what we had is, Pricing was actually getting stronger than mortgage rates started to rise. When mortgage rates start to rise, the days on market has the ability to grow a little bit more in the future, like last year. And it cools down prices. Like we had mortgage rates between six to eight percent last year, and home uh, uh, home prices still grew. But last year, the new listings data was trending at the lowest levels ever, and inventory wasn't really growing. Now it's different. Inventory is growing year over year, right? Not a mortgage rate lockdown person here, but higher rates, weakness in demand, days on markets can grow, pricing gets weaker. And the problem is, is that it's not such a fast event. It's not like what we saw toward the end of 2022. Like 2022, the second half, we had authentic home price declines uh, with some velocity, with inventory at all-time lows, with monthly supply low. How did that happen? We had the biggest, fastest home sale crash ever recorded in the history of America and mortgage rates went from 3 to 7%. So the product that was in the marketplace had anticipated a 3 to 4 maybe even possible 5% mortgage rate level, and then it just shot up that second round. In that second half of 2022, to me, if I had to die, I would just write a dissertation. That was the craziest thing ever, right, of, of all the things that were happening with the data, because then all of a sudden, November 9th came. And November 9th was really critical. Why? Because I was like, home sales are crashing so fast that we're going to get to 4 million. Even though we were barely under 5 million, that I said, this is how crazy this data line is. That means that we're going to find a bottom in sales. And then we just work off of, you know, very low inventory and stable demand. Here we are again, you know, demand is slowing down. We've had five straight weeks of negative purchase application data. It's not crashing like we saw 
you know, in 2022. So we're stuck here. So this is why we say the tracker now is actually more valuable because if there's an inflection point, negative or positive, it tells us, and this was happening starting five weeks ago, and we're starting to see the effects. This doesn't mean home prices are going down eight or 10 or anything like that. It just means that there's marketplaces where pricing pressure is more. Uh, I, you know, was on another podcast yesterday where I talked about, let's talk about the insurance issues in uh, Florida. Uh, that is, that's a very big variable. Why? Because the cost of housing goes up even more with weakness in demand and higher rates. And there's no real way to offset it in the existing home sales market because you can't offer lower rates like the builders. So there's all these variables that go into it. And that's why we created the tracker because the tracker now has had five weeks of negative forward trending data, but it's not escalating in any big fashion. So we, we just have to like, it's a mud fight. I would say you're two guys stuck in a mud in a forest and they're trying to punch each other and it's just so can't really get you know their hands are going so it's one of these things um and this is why we always want to see the price cut percentages if we saw authentic like authentic real stress in pricing that thing's going to skyrocket and it's going to go above 2022 levels we've just stopped and that's it that's all we've done we've stopped and now we look like we're going to start to rise and now the seasonal inventory start to rise. So then we work off of that equilibrium because what if mortgage rates go higher to 8%? What if they go back down to 6.5%? There's all these variables and the economy doesn't stop for you. The economy is just this moving object. This is why you have to have live variables. I was, I was talking about, I want to see, I want to read people's models, how they get here because if their models change on them, do they change with it? My argument has been that once I see somebody's model and the model goes against them and they still stick with it, that means they're not an authentic analyst. They're doing more of their ideological stuff. This is why we always say, numbers are the closest thing to the handwriting of God. I'm here with Jason Bressler, CTO at United Wholesale Mortgage. Jason, how do you envision AI technologies such as chat UWM shaping the future of the mortgage industry? So AI really, as people should look at it, specifically within the mortgage industry, is all about efficiency, operational efficiency, sales efficiency, information efficiency, everything that you could need to derive a decision or get information should really be used by advanced AI techniques. And listeners, you can find out more about those techniques at uwm.com. So let's talk about some of the numbers that we got from Case Schiller. So this was for December, and obviously things have changed a lot since then. But what we saw was that out of their 20-city composite, every single one of those had home price growth in December. And we had uh, we spotlighted four different cities that had over 8% growth. So it was like San Diego. I don't remember all of them. But like, so there was definitely some, I mean, home prices in December at least were going up. So here's the thing about second half of 2023 data. Um, I think the 20, the second half of 2023 data really shocked people because mortgage rates were heading toward 8%. But we we were trying to highlight that, like the craziest data line last year was that even with 8% mortgage rates, the year-over-year price cuts were actually negative 4%. The entire trend from seven and a quarter to 8%. Even my model, I was looking for like certain inventory levels never hit once like that to me was a big deal and I, I didn't even have a big bar w let's see if that like like if i can't get 
I can't get eleven to seventeen thousand this year. Oh my god, I'm gonna be so depressed. But um, we have inventory growing this year, not like it was last year. So this means this doesn't mean a price crash. This means that the supply and demand equilibrium. This is why we tried to highlight last year the supply and demand equilibrium did not warrant any you know price crash. But the, here the pricing can get weaker. We have to use the ten year yield. We have to use purchase application. Then assume, let's just do a hypothetical, 10-year yield falls, right? Forward-looking data gets better. By the time it hits the data lines that we see traditionally, uh, you guys all have an idea because what we do is look out 30 to 90 days. And the next few reports are actually going to have, you know, lower mortgage rates in them. So they're kind of old data, like the existing home sales reports old in that sense. So I probably have the lowest price forecast out of anybody out there for 2024, but I'm not a Fed pivot person. And I uh, like real home prices are negative for me in 2024 because that's I'm only working with a 2.3% national home price gain. Um, well, I don't revise anything. I just do the tracker and let everyone know. So let's keep an eye on that going into spring because we should be getting the seasonal spring increase. And, you know, hopefully mortgage rates stay in that range that I've talked about for 2024 between 5.75 and seven a quarter. So far, so far that's been the case. And in that you have a functioning market where people go, I can't afford a house at 750. I need 6.75. Okay. I can't buy or sell anything to that. You don't want that kind of uh, response like we saw after the second half of 2022. So I'm hoping we stay in there and just let the inventory grow. Like I am, I am such a pro supply person. I'm not panicky like people panic or oh my god inventory is over here and you see these percentage increases that people think like the pricing mechanisms is like breaking they're not breaking right so we we work with all the national data to give people a perspective because basically the national data runs the trend you have a few pockets areas like florida and texas that are a little bit different but you get a good sense of where things are going so by the time you see it in the case shiller report or any of these reports they're old right we look out we don't want to be there Right. And this time, if things change, and this is why the whole November 9th premise, hey guys, this could be it. Right. We bounce, go. There we are. Prices aren't crashing anymore. So it'll take June or July before everyone figures this out. And it was June and July when everyone figured it out. You know, so we don't want to be and that. And that was per- 2022, to be to be clear. That was November well, yeah, 9th, 2022. 20, 2022. So yeah. 2022 going to 2023. So, so we, we'll track this every single week and then everyone could visually say it and then everyone's on the same page and not in the, we're having the biggest home sale price crash ever recorded in the history of America because we use the census median sales price data and that has really nothing to do with existing home prices. So you and I uh, were at several events last week in person. Uh, uh, one of them was for uh, realtors, um, mortgage people and realtors. And I'm going to an event today for realtors. And so one of the questions we always get, oh, I mean, home prices is what people, if you're in real estate, if you're in mortgage, yes. But if you're in real estate, you have to know like where this is going. So if you were putting a headline on this, instead of saying like, oh, they're crashing, oh, this, do you just feel like, you know, expect home prices this spring to be stable to be slightly up to be about where they are i would say if the trend keeps on uh continuing the growth rate of pricing should cool right uh um when we saw negative pricing in 2022 what what occurred then we had a massive crash in demand and inventory the slope of the inventory curve you know when i when i do the nur tour i always try to highlight look what happened in 2022 
holy Toledo, the slope of the inventory curve was very fast. What also had the slope of the price cut percentages also curved up. If you have that, then you have something to work with. We don't have that right now. All we've had is that we have stopped going down. Uh, the year-over-year data is pretty much where we were in 2023. And now the seasonal increase of inventory, and then we just do that battle. So as of right now, it looks like you're still going to get price gains. I, a lot of people are much higher than I am on home price growth. So I have my own kind of uh, view on this. But if that occurs, you know, price growth should slow down from what we currently had early on uh, uh, in the year. And it really depends on, again, for me, it's all about the 10-year yield. By the time you all see this uh, podcast, the PCE inflation data has come out. We always talked about that. And your yield channel between this little battle right here, you know, the, the tracker said, okay, as long as we don't break above 4.34%, okay, but we don't want to get above here. It's tomorrow's uh, uh, or today's event that you'll see this can be something that breaks upon that. And then we have to work with, oh, are we going back to 75 to 8% mortgage rates? What does that do today? We know what it did. Does that actually get new listings data to come down again? So there's all these variables. We just want to get everybody in a room focus on the data so they can visually see it because if it gets negative then you know by the time you know you don't want to wait three months for something old you just want to look at it today in the future and work off of that so let's talk about mortgage rates right so we've talked about home prices now let's talk about rates which means we're going to talk about the 10-year yield it has been uh kind of interesting to see so just to set it up you had a channel that uh for your 2024 forecast similar to your 2023 forecast you have a channel that you expect the 10-year yield to operate within based on your the way you look at it. And, and it has held, uh, you know, it'll test the line on both sides, but it has held so long. So where what are we seeing right now? We are we are a few base. I think the last time I saw this, we're like 428. So four, four and a quarter was my peak. Seven and a quarter was my peak mortgage rate call for this year. And as long as job, see, I, I revolve around jobless claims more than inflation. And we'll have a good inflation story coming up uh, in a little bit. Um, if jobless claims go down and the labor market is fine and the economy, if the Fed didn't change their tune in terms of we don't want to be really restrictive, mortgage rates should be seven and a half to eight percent today. If they kept with their stance that they did before, attack the labor market, attack the economy, attack Americans. Okay, so they've gone away from that and. Right now, the bond market's having this this battle at four point, which is which is the four point three four percent was very critical last year to the upside, critical to the downside for me as well. So here we are. We'll see if this occurs. But one thing that I got wrong is that even though the ten year yield was trading a little bit above four point three zero percent, we never hit seven and a quarter mortgage rate. So that means the spreads have done better than I thought they would. So that's why you know rates are. If it's, we wouldn't even get eight percent rates again if the spreads are are uh, better this year if the ten year yield goes up. So in this context, uh, uh, tomorrow is a big day, and for me, it's always been. I, I try to explain this. The Fed's policy is COVID nineteen housing policy. They want home sales depressed. They don't want home sales to go up because of the fear of the nineteen seventies. So it's hard to get people to understand this because, like Neil Kashkari said. The interest rate sensitive sectors are holding up well. We are back to 1995 purchase application data. So his version of holding up well, very disappointing, right? Can't get the job done. So there's just a difference between 
what people say. And it's just weird having a Fed president say that when everyone in America sees the data. They're like, well, what's wrong with him? Yeah, there's something wrong with him. So again, but if you believe like I believe that it's in their best interest to keep home sales down because the last thing they want, oh my God, Sarah, Sarah, who just bought a house, right? Who just closed on her, on her home. Congratulations. You know, if people buy homes, they'll buy stuff, right? And then if they, if they, if they're a young couple, they're going to have kids and the federal reserve can't print babies, but humans can. And when you print babies, you have more stuff you have to buy and that's inflationary. And that was in 1970. So they kind of like, no, they don't want that. Unfortunately for them, they can't control the builders, right? The builders are paying down rates. So here's a good thing. This is something that I actually disagree with, with the Mortgage Banking Association. They came out with their purchase application. They said, new home purchase application in January is up 19% year over year. You know, and I, and because of inventory, there's, there's just no, it's not an inventory thing. We have more inventory this year. The builders are living in a sub 6% mortgage world, right? So imagine all of us thinking mortgage rates between 4.75 and 5.875. Right, like, what are we thinking? We're not having negative purchase application data. No, no, we're having positive purchase application. So, it's a rate thing, and this is why I say the ten-year yield revolves around everything. Because home sellers don't really cut rates like the builders do. Builders, again, sell their homes like a commodity, and that's why the ten-year yield at this point is really critical. Uh, if you want a better spring, you don't want this to break above four point three four percent because the Fed's. It could get out of hand again, and the Fed's going to come back and go, oh, I don't know what's going on. Why is this happening? And we just waste time. Every day we get yeah. closer to death. We don't need to do this anymore. So hopefully uh, uh, it doesn't break, uh, and we don't have to waste uh, weeks or months uh, debating this. And and again, the a lot of discussion about inflation, right? And the people are wondering, why hasn't the shelter inflation like come to reality or rents? Because we see these apartments and disinflation and here's three months free and everything the bls has their new rent index and that thing's collapsing faster than anyone they're like what is this so this is how much we're all nerds we all try to figure this out because it looks really weird and to me what people have figured out from the bls is that the bls has said well we've changed the metrics a little bit to kind of weigh in single family rentals more than apartments and there it is right uh, uh, that's why the BLS's own data really is, is, it's funny, the BLS's new rent index goes against the BLS shelter rent index. And there it is because shelter inflation rents are holding up better for single families, but it's the apartments that were really coming down on some of the disinflation factors. And this actually does make sense why it's lagging. It always lags, but it's getting really, like really weird now on some of these data lines. So I don't believe they're going to change it, but there's finally a, an acknowledgement that, uh, wow, we kind of did this here. So we'll see how it goes uh, 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 in the future. But uh, again, global pandemics, very inflationary. Then the disinflation happens. We see this in all the data line. It's really hard to accelerate inflation when wage growth is cooling down and the job quits percentages are back to pre-COVID level. So wage growth is still very solid, but it's no longer going up. And this is why the Fed thinks, okay, they're really restrictive now with the cost of death, wage growth slowing down and inflation. You know, the, the history of being very restrictive 
for very long periods of time is never good for the U.S. economy. This is the only reason they're talking about rate cuts. Even uh, even just three rate cuts is just to balance out the risk uh, of the uh, uh, making sure that we don't go into a recession. We heard you after the gathering. You want to know more about AI. What's real? What's not? Where do you start? And how can AI drive ROI? That's why we're hosting the Housing Wire AI Summit. Join us in Dallas on July 23rd for the most powerful room in housing on this topic. Execs and tech leaders, this event is for you. We'll be talking about leveraging traditional AI and Gen AI to grow your business, whether you're in mortgage, real estate, title, or appraisal. And no vaporware allowed. Register today at housingwire.com. So first of all, yes, I bought a house. I closed yesterday, really exciting. And I can confirm to, uh, I am definitely in that camp of you buy a house, you are about to buy a whole bunch of other things. I've been to Home Depot like three times since yesterday. I have to go that buy that a fridge. You. I'm, I mean, it, that hates you, I'm Sarah. stimulating you, the economy Sarah, Sarah, all by you, myself. Can you write a letter to Neil Kashkari and tell him, Tell him you're sorry, because poor Neil Kashkari is going to come out at 0.6%. I mean, think about this. When mortgage rates got to 6.63%, the Fed came out and go, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait a second. They can't just take the victory. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I always laugh at my bearish friends and say, listen, if, if you are a bearish American, Russian, or Chinese citizen, right, that's spreading disinformation campaigns about the U.S. collapse, the last thing you want is the 10-year yield to range between 3.37 to 3.80. That's like my low barrier right there. And then have the spreads get better. In that, that means you get six sub-6% six mortgage. That means people are buying homes in America. You do not want that. Like, like housing leads in and out of their stuff because the construction workers, oh my God, it would be the bane of your existence if that happens. This would be the land the plane, Jay. They're like, homie, we don't do that. We're all the slow. I go, I know you guys are. And they're like, yeah, you know us well. So it's just this. It's just- so let's talk about, so I, I keep asking you this. Uh, we're going to keep revisiting this um, because, so from your perspective, and obviously we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow with the inflation, um, but, you know, closer to six or closer to eight, or are we just holding steady on rates? I mean, in theory, we should be near eight right now because the jobless claim. I go off jobless claims. Jobless claims headline almost went under two hundred thousand again. Okay, that means that you know, uh, because I don't believe the Fed pivoted. Is the Fed pivoted? We're not having this discussion anymore. Uh, but my concern is that I I don't like being near key technical levels when nobody knows what the Fed really wants, right? So that to me is is a dangerous game. It's one thing if they all said. We believe in a neutral policy. We no longer want to stay higher for longer because we don't want to risk a recession. We don't believe the 1970s inflation will reaccelerate to 11 to 12, 13%. We don't think that's the case. So we want, then everything changes, but they're not quite there yet. You know, so um, uh, the spreads are better. So that prevents maybe getting us to eight, but I'm just with claims data where it is and the 10 year yield here. Technically speaking, there's risk to the upside because the market can anticipate or interpret, you know, a report wrong and you see how it goes. So uh, we want to stay away, stay away before we get back to, you know, 4%, below 4%, stay in this range between 3.80 and four and a quarter. That looks perfectly normal to me, but we are playing with fire, Sarah. 
oh, we are playing with fire right now. This is, you know, when this podcast comes out, we'll, we'll see. And we just don't need to do it. And uh, unfortunately, we just, we have one of those Federal Reserve members. So it's just, it is what it is. It is what it is. Well, Logan, thanks for being on, talking about home prices and 10-year yield and mortgage rates. We will talk to you again soon after some. we have more reports and uh, see where we are. Yes, and I expect you to write an apology letter to Neil Kashkardi, the Minnesota Fed. If, and if you want, give it to me. I'll send it to him, you know, with uh, some other stuff. And, you know, we'll, we'll, all of you, all of you apologize to Neil. All of you home buyers out there, you're, you're, you're making the lives difficult for the Fed. I mean, what are they supposed to do? They stay up at night. They're so afraid. Absolutely not. No, I'm stimulating the economy all on my own. This little part of Denton, Texas is like, wow, what's going on here? So thank you again, Logan. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our sponsor, Truve. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.